We begin our reading this evening in Job 36, verse 26, and we'll read through Job 37. This is Elihu's fourth and final speech, part two. We dealt with the first part of this speech. We'll say something about that here shortly, uh, but we, we looked at that last uh, Wednesday evening. Job uh, 36, beginning in verse number 26, we'll read down through uh, basically what is two columns of Scripture here. The Bible says, Job 36, verse 26 and following, Behold, God is great, and we know him not, neither can the number of his years be searched out. For he maketh small the drops of water, they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. Also can any understand the spreadings of the clouds or the noise of his tabernacle? Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it and covereth the bottom of the sea. For by them, uh, for by them judgeth he the people, he giveth meat in abundance. With clouds he covereth the light and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. The noise thereof showeth concerning it the cattle also concerning the vapor. Chapter 37. At this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven and is lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency. And he will not stay them when his voice is heard. God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he, for that which we cannot comprehend. For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beast go into dens, and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. By the breath of God frost is given. And the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud. He scattereth his bright cloud. And it is turned round about uh, by his counsels. That uh, they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world in the earth. He causeth it to come whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? Now listen, I can't do this justice, but these are beautiful verses right here. Elihu is asking Job some questions. God's going to turn around and ask him some questions when Elihu's finished. Think about what he's asking him. In verse number 15, after, well, read back up to verse 14. Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his clouds to shine? Dost thou know the, balancing of the, the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? How thy garments are warm when he quieteth the earth by the south wind. 
Hast thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong and has a molten looking glass? Teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. In other words, he said, we don't understand these things, Job. He said, teach me. He said, we don't understand this. And we'll get to that. Lord willing, verse 20 through 24. Shall it be told him that I speak? If a man speak, uh, surely he shall be swallowed up. And now men see not the bright light which is in the clouds, but the wind passeth and cleanseth them. Fair weather cometh out of the north, and God is, uh, with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of uh, justice. He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. Now I'm going to review and I'm going to bring in where we left off last week uh, concerning some of the Proverbs about friendship. Now you know my contention about Elihu. I don't think he's, I, I don't think he's out of the way with Job at all. I think he proves to be a true friend. As a matter of fact, I'm settled on it. And I reject any other thought processes regarding Elihu. He proves to be a dear friend to Job. And we're going to say something about that shortly. Let me briefly review Elihu. He's the young man that evidently was sitting around for all the back and forth between Job and his three friends, Elihu, or excuse me, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And these three friends of Job, they've accused Job of being sinful. If he were not sinful in their reasoning... He never would have been going through all the pain and loss that he was experiencing. They were guilty of two things. They were guilty of assumption and they were guilty of supposition. And both of those are akin to one another. They thought they had to know the lowdown on Job. They didn't know anything about Job. They knew who Job was and knew where he lived. He wasn't at his residence when they came to town. He's out at the county dump. It's about all they knew about him, uh, evidently. Um, and you remember that Job, throughout uh, the backs, uh, the goings back and forth, Job, um, he, he was self-righteous in it all. He was very quick to answer. Uh, and then he got to the place that he, he became accusatory toward God. He did not curse God, but he did curse the day of his birth, which is getting dangerously close. When Elihu began speaking in chapter number 32, he was angry. You remember he was angry at Job's three friends because they made claims against Job and it was unfounded. He was angry at Job for accusing God and declaring himself righteous. Elihu begins speaking in Job 32. He speaks through Job 37. There are four speeches, four speeches. Chapter 32 and 33 is a speech. 34 is a speech. 35 is a speech. Chapter 36 and 7, they are a speech. And we looked at the first of two divisions of his last speech that he gives to Job. When he began speaking, he, he had a lot to say. And, and he did not hide the fact that, that he was upset and he was angry. He was angry with all four men. But he directs the majority of his comments. He, he makes it very pointed to Job. After these three, three friends have said, Job, something's in your life. You've done something. I don't know if you've done it one time or habitually, but you're, you're a sinful man, Job. Only sinful men suffer like this. And Elihu basically comes on the scene and says, Job, I don't know if you've done anything at all. I don't know what you've done, if you've done anything. Don't know if there's anything back there at all. But I tell you this, your attitude toward God's all fouled up. 
And so you remember in chapter 32, he began saying in different phrases, I'm going to speak now. Y'all have concluded your speeches. I'm the youngest of all of us that are here. And so I've waited until you've been silent out of respect for you men and your age, you being my elders. But he said, "I'm, I'm fixing to say some things. In chapter number 33, you remember he began addressing Job, and, and Job had basically said that uh, God was silent, wasn't speaking. He said, Job, you need to understand, God speaks to his children. Don't you forget that. And may we never forget that. God speaks to his children. Um, you say, I don't hear the audible voice of God. You don't have to hear the audible voice of God. Somebody said, if you want to hear the voice of God, read the Bible. It's his word. And if you want to hear the audible voice of God, read it audibly. God speaks through his word. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through the way he deals with us oftentimes. In chapter number 34, you remember, you remember Elihu addressed this issue that Job basically thought God had left him and abandoned him. And he says, Job, he says, God's not distant from you. God's on the scene. You seem to think God packed his bags and moved out of town. But he says to him, in essence, he's right here with you, Job. He's with every one of his children. He is so near, ever present with his children. Chapter 35, he addressed the issue of Job thinking that God didn't care. And again, he reminds him that God cares, and he cares for all of his children. Let me give them to you again. I'm going to add one that we, to what we mentioned um, a couple of times already about Elihu. I, I've made the statement, I don't believe Elihu's the young, smart aleck he's been accused of being for a number of reasons. Um, he gives four speeches and Job never rebuts him. Each of the three times that Eliphaz had something to say to him, he come back at him. And he said, you're wrong, here's why you're wrong. The three times Bildad talked to him, he said, you're wrong. Oh, boy, you're wrong. All three times he had plenty to say. And the two times that Zophar had something to say, he offered a rebuttal. But he didn't offer a rebuttal unto Elihu. Elihu's right. He points him to God. If, if when we are in painful circumstances, if someone can point us to God, what a friend they prove to be. If you're lying on the sick bed and someone comes by or sends a card or somebody calls and, and, and they lift your heart and point it toward God, what a jewel they've become, right? Someone, when you, when you were dragging through the door of the church house, and one of your brothers or sisters, some saint of God slipped up beside you and said, hey, I've been praying for you this week. Trusting God's going to do a work for you. <laughs> what, a, what a friend. Somebody that would point you to God and uh, not the rhetoric of the world. And uh, so Job never offers a rebuttal. Elihu is successful in his going at Job where the other three were unsuccessful. And it's because he's, he's not accusatory at all other than pointing out. You remember he even quotes Job's words back to him on about three or four different occasions. He says, now Job, you said... And I'm going to address that. And then again, he points him to God. Then in chapter number 42, look at this. After the service last week, Brother Jay Pruitt and I, we were talking, standing back here in the aisle. 
And he was talking about me making these particular statements. He said, you know, another thing that makes me believe that Elihu was indeed a friend to Job was that God rebuked Eliphaz and the other two required sacrifice, but he never mentioned Elihu. I like that. Had, had he have deserved rebuking, God would have rebuked him just like he did the other three, but he didn't. Job 42, verse 7 through 9, the Bible says, And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee. In other words, he said, I'm upset with you, Eliphaz, and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. Verse 9 says, So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted, um, accepted Job. Not only does Job not offer rebuttal to, El, to Elihu, but God doesn't rebuke him. And we thank God for that. So I, st- I won't say it one last time because we're, we're going to look at it for the last time tonight in our looking, uh, look through the book of Job. But Elihu's not the young smart aleck he's been made out to be by so many. Proves to be a, uh, a faithful friend uh, to Job. Faithful friend. Here's where we ended last. Here's where we ended last week. Um, you remember we, we talked about uh, some of the some of the verses. We only used one of them out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs twenty seven six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Elihu is not trying to buddy up with Job. He's trying to help him get from despair to a place where he can worship again. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will not contribute to your struggles. But a friend will lend a hand to help you from where you are to get beyond where you are. Or perhaps restore you from which you have um, perhaps walked away from. That's what a friend will do for you. Um, He'll point out what's right and he'll call you to it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend is honest with you, right? Right? Wounds hurt. Sometimes it's been faithful words that wounded that actually brought me to a place where I needed to be in my life. Sometimes we all need that. All of us need that. Uh, Somebody that claims to be a friend is is there when perhaps everyone else has walked out. You ever heard the old uh, saying, Brother Don Sable was the first one ever said this in my presence. He said, I was asking him, I was talking to him about our influences in our lives. Many years back, I was preaching a series of messages. And he said, it's an overlooked message in the Baptist church. He said, we are who we hang around with. As we said last week, who you spend your time with, their language comes out on you and their lifestyle comes out on you. Be careful where you go and where you go with, who you go with, who you listen to and who you don't. Be jealous for yourself. Um, But Brother Sable, I remember asking him about it, 
And uh, he said, the best definition I ever heard of a friend is the first fellow that walks in after the whole world has walked out. And I've always loved that. I want to add an addendum, addendum to that. Not only is a true friend somebody that walks in after the whole world's walked out, but he's the fella or she's the lady that's still standing there when the dust all settles. And you can finally pick up going with your life. Um, and I could say a lot about that, I think. I've, I've studied it and preached on it, as a matter of fact, a lot through the years. In that same proverb, he went on to say, um, faithful are the kisses of the enemy. And you remember we mentioned Judas Iscariot. Kissed the cheek of Jesus under the guise of friendship. Sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Got him out of the way. He was in Judas's way. Must have been Judas, Right? When the lady brings the alabaster box of ointment and breaks it and pours it on Christ. He said, what in the world's going on around here? We could have sold that and given it to the poor. He's the one keeping the pocketbook. He was the treasurer of the bunch. I wonder if he'd been stealing, embezzling is what we'd call it today. Steal the thievery, still stealing. He wasn't interested in the poor, he's interested in himself. Went to the Garden of Gethsemane after our Lord had prayed under such distress. Scholars through the years have felt like that if a man ever entered, truly entered into a low state of depression, perhaps Christ the lowest. There in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed and his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He gets up off of the ground. Gethsemane has received some of his blood from his body, knowing what is coming. Here comes Judas under the guise of a friend, kisses him on the cheek. I hate to tell you, but there are people that would do the same thing to you. They'll shake your hand and turn around and use you. They'll hug your neck and stab you in the back. There's been a lot of people going through a lot of misery in life. They've been hoodwinked. Now that sort of a thing is from the devil, right? He's a counterfeit. His Christianity is counterfeit. His word is counterfeit. He's a liar. He is a murderer. Jesus said he's that from the beginning. Deceitful are the kisses of the enemy, Solomon would write. Proverbs has a lot to say about lot. Remember I said chapter 27 of Proverbs, several verses about friendship. It's interesting to me the Bible has so much to say about the subject, but it does. Let me give you some of the verses, if I may. And I'll give you these in a hurry. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. He's talking about the society of the wise. There's a difference in knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference in earthly knowledge 
and heavenly knowledge, spiritual knowledge, scriptural knowledge. There's a difference in a heavenly wisdom and an earthly wisdom. James 3, 13 to 18 will define it for you. One is just sheer cleverness. The other one, a gift given from God. Wisdom. Have you ever looked at another believer and thought, ah, I wish I was as strong in my faith as he is, or I wish I was as faithful as she is? Ask them some questions. Draw nigh to them. Find out what makes them work. Ask them about their prayer life. They're not superior to you, nor to me, nor am I over you. Elijah was a man of like passions, like as we are. He knew what it was to tire. He, uh, he knew what it was to grow weary. He, he, he was a man. That's what he was. A man yielded to God. Draw nigh to somebody. Um. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. That proverb goes on to say, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Been a lot of people destroyed because of running with fools. I didn't call them fools. God called them fools. A lot of marriages broken up. A lot of friendships. A lot of testimonies destroyed. Harmed. Shame brought because of running with fools. Man that wants to be a fool, let him be a fool. As a matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, you'll find that Solomon and and his wife are talking to the son, chapter 1, verse 7 or 8. Three of them sit down there, and Solomon's going to introduce him to a whole lot of people. He'll introduce him to the simple man. A simple man, there's nothing wrong with him. He doesn't know, but he'll ask you, and you can help him. He'll talk to him about the wise man. You listen to him. Get on his coattail. Watch him. But he said the fool over and again, in essence, throughout the book of Proverbs, he says, do not fool with a fool. That'd be some good advice for our day, don't you think? We're molded by the company we keep. molded by the company we keep. About five years ago or six, I preached the first time revival for Brother Dagenhart. Brother John and I were talking about the schedule out at the Taylorsville camp meeting coming up in a few weeks. And uh, Miss Barbara, Brother Steve's wife, Miss Barbara, um, uh, when, she, when she mentions God, she mentions God like Dana Williams mentions God, God. And so I said something on Wednesday night, and, and, uh, and I said, I like the way Miss Barbara calls God God. Well, everybody looked at me like, well, isn't that the way you're supposed to talk, call him? They all call him God out there. And I've got to be in the area enough now, last year or two, I come home for the first day or two, I'm talking about God. <laughs> and pick up a little of the accent out of the Appalachian, Appalachian Mountains, the foothills. They're not in the mountains there, they're in the foothills. And whoever you hang around with, you'll pick up and start talking like them too. Uh, Chris and Dawn just got back from visiting the Swords family. We appreciate their service, the Swords family, Will and his service to our country. And uh, Sierra and Will, their sacrifice. They make sacrifice and, and do it, don't even think about it, but they do so that he can serve our country. I noticed uh, 
not too long after they left from here, when they come back and visited, little Easton's, uh, his, the whole way he says things, they're going to make a Yankee out of him before it's over with. Be careful who you run with. Let me say something to our young people right here. The old saying is, is birds of a feather flock together. I'm going to be quite honest with you, very, very candid with you. If I see you running with a bunch of drunks around town, guess what I'm going to think you are? If I see you running with a bunch of crackheads, guess what I'm going to think you are? You ain't going to run with that crowd unless you fit in with them. Be careful. Listen to your mom and your dad. They've observed a little bit more in life than you have. You young ladies, if you ever go to bringing a young man home and mom gets a bad vibe, you might want to pay attention. If he don't respect your mom and your daddy, he don't respect you either. And vice versa. You'll company with wise men, you'll be better for it. You company with fools, and you'll be worse because of it. Now, why am I even talking about this? I'm talking about this because Elihu proves to be a friend, a true friend, a real friend. He's helping Job. He's helping Job. Let me give you another one or two about uh, about uh, about friends. Listen to. Listen to, what, uh, listen to what Solomon had to say in Proverbs 27, verse number 9. He said, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. The hearty counsel of a man's friend will rejoice the heart, lighten his load. Uh, have you ever, I have, have you ever been under a load? I mean, I wasn't in despair wanting to quit serving God, but I've been in places before where I would maybe pick the phone up, call uh, preacher that I'm close to, and by the time I hung the the phone up, I was ready to charge ha- uh, charge hell with a gas can. Just at the conversation of another brother that's been there and come through it. Choose your friends. Choose them uh, wisely. The um, the the saying you hear it everywhere these days co- that comes out of Proverbs twenty seven seventeen: Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's the kind of friend I want. That's the kind of friend I want. Somebody that will help sharpen my countenance. Keep me on my toes. Challenge me. Um, if there be advantages in my life, uh, point me out. Point that out and encourage me in that. If there be disadvantages that I'm putting my life in, point it out. Point it out. I, I said to... Uh, Someone that's been many months back now that, uh, you know, we all have had to sit down and have, look eye to eye with someone to have hard conversations along the way. We're better for it, right? Sure we are. We're better for it. And we ought to be able to do that. Friends. Let me say this about friendship. I was talking to some of the, you know, some of the young preachers that I love in this area. I was talking to one of them. I was preaching, and, and a couple of them rode with me to revival. It's been probably four or five years back. It was pre covid and, uh, and, and I, was, uh, I used the verse. Matter of fact, I used it here about three years ago, and some of y'all come to me, three or four, and said, look, we needed this. And I'll, I'll tell you what the emphasis was then. 
But friends, we ought, to, we ought to cling to our friends lightly. Now, thank God for closeness, but thank God for distance too. And I'll say something about that in just a moment. But listen to Proverbs 25, verse number 17. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. A long life. I didn't know this as a young man, but sometimes friends across the years, some leave, some forsake, some move away, some just pick up and move on. Sometimes you will pick up and move on with life. One of the two young men that rode with me to revival said that night, uh, very tenderly, he, he talked about the other brother that was there uh, in the truck with us on the way home, and he said, uh, he said, you know, we're just good friends. I depend on him for a lot, and I heard what you said, and I heard the verse you read. Do you think one of these days we'll no longer be friends? I said, no, that's not what I said. It's not what I, what I said. And then I talked to him about what I talked to you about. We had one of those services like we had about three weeks ago where I came to the pulpit, was in 1 Corinthians 13. That wasn't planned. And we had a service like that uh, some years, recent years back, where I read that verse, withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. And I made two statements about that verse. Closeness is a good thing, and it is. If I have a flat on the way home, I'm going to call Chris Wilbur and I'm going to set in so I don't get wet in the rain. Amen. Let him change and put my spare on. If I had a flat tonight, I, I could call Ray Shelton. Ain't a doubt in my mind. Or Johnny Wilder, or Mike Robbins, or Brian Ard, or Brother Lee. I ain't a doubt in my mind. Warren would come. As a matter of fact, we've got two text groups for our men of the church. And I sent it out in one of them. Uh, I, I gave. I had a, a multitude, oscillating to. I just gave it away a little over a week ago. Used it twice. Doggone if I don't need one right now. And I didn't want to go buy another one. It was brand new. I didn't want to go buy another one and not use it for two years or maybe never use it again. In less than five minutes, I'll be done with it. So I asked for a favor. My phone, the sooner I got it out there, my phone rung. It was Ray Shelton. He said, now, what's an oscillating tube? He knew what it was once I told him. He said, I've got one. I'll bring it to church tonight. Warn, come in there. I mean, just thank God for closeness, right? But thank God for distance. If you've lived long enough, you know what I'm talking about. I have one place I can go for sheer refuge. And when I get behind the door, we party all the time. <laughs> Anna, Anna and I were talking. I was coming back from Oxford Hospital on Monday. I'm not going to get near what I want to get done. But she called. They are in um, uh, Amelia Island there in Florida. Of course, Warren's very familiar with that area growing up down there. But Brother Zach Watson and his family is there. They're staying at two different locations. And she was talking. She said, Daddy, said, just, I want some advice. Just you being my daddy. She said, um, she said no, we're not just doing everything together. She said, we've got small children. They've got small children. Um, Aaron's phone rings. Brother Zach's phone rings. Them being preachers. And um, do, do you think us keeping a little distance between us, though we're vacationing together. Do you think that's wise? And I said, it would be different if you were family. But yes, that's wise. 
It's always wise if you can spend time with family and cherish your family. Not making sense. Listen to what, listen what this verse says. Withdraw thy foot. Now, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what God said about it. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee. I know some men who used to be the best of friends, and uh, they are the worst of enemies. And it's not a thing in the world but personality. They believe the same things. It's just personality. And I could say a lot more about that. Uh, he goes on to say in that chapter, and, and I'm not going to get where, I'm not even going to get to the text tonight, but I wanted to put this in here because Elihu, and I've not given you all the verses out of Proverbs I've got before me. Proverbs, same chapter 27, verse number 14. Listen to this. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. It's unusual, isn't it? Doesn't that sound a bit odd? Listen to what he says. He that blesseth, eulogizes, speaks well of his friend. Listen to him. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning. It's an everyday thing. He gets up doing it over and again. It shall be counted a curse to him. There's a difference in slander and flattery, right? Slander is when you say something bad about somebody, and you know it's not true. Flattery is when you say something good about somebody and you know it's not true. Both are harmful to the individual. Someone can become intoxicated in their own ego and pride. You, aren't, you be careful with your compliments. I try to do that and I try to be careful with it. At the same time, I think we all try to live like that. But that's what he says here. The, con uh, the problem with constant flattery, constant flattery, constantly patting somebody on the back is there's no criticism. There's got to be a balance somewhere. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Brother Doug Jones and I, there's no telling how many miles we have flown together, how many miles we've driven together, no telling how many hotel rooms and prophet's chambers we have stayed in together through the years. We have never held it. Now, I probably held back a little with him because he's my elder. He's never held anything back with me. We've disagreed plenty. We've learned through the years, just leave our disagreements alone. I respect him. And he res you can disagree and still respect one another. You know, you don't have to. Oh, I didn't mean to get hung up on all this. Constant flattery. Thomas Manton, the old Puritan, I'm going to stop. i got to just stop. Thomas Manton, the old Puritan, he said uh, so long ago, he said it's the empty bottles that make the loudest noise. We're not used car salesmen trying to win everybody's pocketbook. We're not politicians trying to win everybody's support. You're not going to win everybody's support. We are Christian people. We live in a real world. And we're to live our lives according to the Word of God. Sometimes things going on around us don't line up with the Word of God. Elihu's going to play the part of a faithful friend. i give you this, and we'll look at the text next week. And I'll, I'll give you the division here in just a moment. But in his, previous, in his previous speeches, this is what Elihu said to him. 
He said in 33, he said, God's not silent. He speaks to us, Job. He's gracious. 34, God's not been unjust to you. He is a just God. 35, God's not uncaring. He cares for his children. 36 and 37, he's not without power. He's almighty is who he is, Job. You need to be reminded, God is great. You remember I said we're on the plus side, teaching these little toddlers to say, bow their heads at the lunch table and say, God is great. It's a good place to start. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God is great. Put it in their little hearts. In chapter 36, 1 through 25, we dealt with this. We'll deal with the other next Wednesday. God exercises power over humanity. King or pauper, nobody twists his arm. Job 36, the text we read tonight, verse 26 through the whole chapter of Job 37, God exercises power over nature. It's interesting. He likens thunder. He calls it um, God's voice. (laughs) He said, when you hear the thunder, Job, that's God's voice. What he's trying to do is, is bring Job back to a place of awe. And then he'll ask him a series of questions. He talks about his lightning. He said the frost on the ground in the wintertime said that's his breath. And then he turns around in essence and says, now Job explained it all to me. And then he's going to say to him as he closes chapter 37, Job, you don't even understand nature. Why in the world do you want an audience in God's courtroom to plead your cause? He knows more about your situation than you know about it. He doeth all things well. Job, get your eyes back on God. And may we do the same. It'll help you. It'll help you. I promise I'm done. I say this all the time. It ain't going to register till you get there probably. It's going to matter one of these days what you believe. It's going to matter. When your heart's torn to shreds or you're weak, as water and don't think you can get up and go another mile. It doesn't matter what you believe about God. It's going to matter. Elihu's a friend. He says, Job, every bit of this matters. It'll help you if you get a hold to it, Job. He's a friend. Let's stand. Thank you for your patience tonight. Thank you for being here. Our fathers, we bow in your presence. It is with grateful hearts. Lord, we're like Elihu declared to Job, we don't understand the weather either. We don't understand how you gather and disperse rain droplets or send the snow in the wintertime, send the lightning across the night or day sky. We don't understand when we hear the thunder rolling about us. But we know you're in charge of it, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for watching out for our lives and caring for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are not silent. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. I would pray if there be one in this number tonight who does not know you. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to their hearts, woo, and do a work in their hearts and lives and show them their need, their dire need of Christ. Father, for those that 
uh, are in the hospital, Brother Joe and Brother Marty and Brother Chris and others. Lord, we pray that you'll minister to the needs of their lives. Use their doctors and nurses and medicines and procedures to minister to them. Bring a testimony of your goodness and your grace through strength granted in their lives, we pray. Father, we pray for those waiting on test results, God, that you'll help grant discernment to those that are trying to minister to the needs of their bodies, their health. Thank you for our church family, from the youngest to the eldest. Pray that you'll bless each one saved. Lord, we pray that you'll save these children as they reach a place and a time of accountability in their lives where they know themselves a sinner before thrice holy God. I pray, Lord, that you'll open their little hearts and their minds and their eyes and let them see at a tender age Christ crucified for them. Lord, I I pray for every man that makes this church up. I pray that you'll grant wisdom and strength. I pray for every lady that makes this church body up. Lord, that you'll bless them, give them wisdom and strength. For each young person, I pray that you'll do the same. Lord, I pray every time we gather that we'll be edified as a body strengthened in Christ. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the glorious gospel of our blessed God. We thank you, Lord, for even letting us get up this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your tender mercies about us. As we go back home, Lord, we pray for safe travel. Uh, We pray for those who could not come tonight. And, Lord, I pray that you might prod those and deal with those who just uh, chose not to come tonight. Lord, do a work in our hearts and lives. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.